Sentinels of Freedom is a national nonprofit organization that supports severely wounded post 9-11 veterans complete their higher education with its Bridge for Education scholarships. Veterans receive comprehensive personalized support, financial assistance, financial planning, and mentoring to achieve success in their post-military careers. We treat this as an investment, not a charity. What they'll bring to communities and the economy across our nation in their after-service careers is an invaluable fact and our return on investment. Our donors can take great pride in the fact that they are helping these veterans who served our nation honorably and sacrificed so much to reach their objective of self-sufficient lives. Now, here's Mike Conklin, the founder, chairman, and CEO of Sentinels of Freedom Scholarship Foundation. Welcome to Veterans Never Stop Serving, and good day to all our listeners nationwide. We're privileged to have you listen in today as we highlight another post-9-11 wounded and injured veteran who has graduated from our Sentinels of Freedom Bridge to Education program. Our mission in these podcasts is to give these veterans an opportunity to tell their stories of selfless service in our nation's military, their injuries, post-injury rehabilitation, transition home onto higher education or trade schools, and into successful careers. Sentinels of Freedom is proud to report we have helped almost 700 of these wounded and injured veterans with our Bridge to Education program. Additionally, we have built seven student veterans resource centers on college campuses in three states that support 2,500 veterans per year. Today, we are honored to have Specialist Jamie Hintick, U.S. Army retired. Jamie, your story is inspiring. You never quit pushing hard onto your objectives and goals. And look at you now. You have been on an incredibly long journey to success and now a doctor. With that said, please bring us up to speed on what you're doing now and what your future plans are. Yeah, well, again, first and foremost, you know, thanks for having me, Mike. I appreciate it. I appreciate everything you guys do. Call you guys sentinels, by the way. And that's for your never-ending protection and, and guarding our freedoms. When we came up with that name, uh, somebody said it. Why do you call them sentinels? And they said, they're, you know, look it up in the, in the dictionary. You'll see it's an exact representation of what you guys do. Strong name. Yeah. It's a strong name. Yeah. But yeah, I've been, I've been really fortunate in my journey. I joined right out of high school. You know, I was kind of scared to go to college. Uh, dad ultimately kind of gave me an ultimatum of right. mom and dad's footsteps of being in a factory or go to college or <laughs> ultimately, you know, Think about maybe the military and, and you know, I, I didn't come from this lineage of service members and I didn't really have this strong innate calling to serve. Ultimately, I was just a kid that was really afraid to go to college. Um, so I was more willing to go to war than I was to sit in a, you know, a college classroom. You know, dad did his due diligence and made me talk to all the branches. Ultimately, you know, the army kind of stuck out. The recruiters I felt, you know, respected and trusted with and, and you know, really I wanted to be an instrument. But mom wasn't okay with that. And so ultimately landed on becoming a, a combat medic. At the end of the day, you know, my recruiter pulled me on the side and told me, hey, if, if you know, going to the front lines is something you really want as a medic, uh, you know, in the height of the war, you're going to go. So, you know, we showed mom like a cardboard cut out of, of a guy in scrubs and told her I'm going to be a nurse or a doctor. And, and, you know, at 17, I got to have her little signature. So uh, she more than willing signed off. Neither one of us really knowing what we were getting into. Uh, so, you know, I, I did my, my basic at Fort Benning, uh, medical training at Fort Sam, going through Whiskey Land, 
went to airborne school and then landed with the 173rd out of Italy. Um, great unit for Sky Soldiers. And ultimately, you know, we, we deployed in 2009, 2010. You know, you've mentioned your sons are, are a couple of your sons are medics as well. Right. Leon you know, Medic is, uh, it's a great job. It really is. It's a very honorable job and passionate job. Well, I think it's one of the best jobs. I, I think it is also one of the hardest jobs. Mm-hmm. And so with that, you know, I treated a lot of, a lot of different uh, types of injuries. You know, traumatic brain injuries were a big one. It's just, a, it's a signature injury of that time period of that war. And ultimately, you know, I experienced one myself and, and found myself on my way out being medically retired for a brain injury and spinal injury. You know, I spent about a year in Longstall, Germany, uh, going in and out of the hospitals, talking to neurosurgeons and uh, neurologists. And, you know, ultimately I, I was told, you know, hey, like this is the end of the road. You've seen OT, PT. It's time for you to leave and, and start figuring out, you know, what your journey is going to be. Uh, so I started that transition home. And I think that's, the transition home is, is people don't realize how difficult it is. You've lost your, your buddies, your tribe, so to speak. You know, you've lost your purpose. Uh, and so in some respect, um, your story of, of joining the military mirrors my three sons. They didn't want to go to college. They wanted to go into the army. You know, my youngest son was headed to college and he talked to me and said, I'm not going to go to college. I'm going to go in the army. After now, this is after the war started. My oldest son had been wounded. My wife, like your mom, was very apprehensive. Yeah. And he told me that he didn't feel college was going to challenge him in the ways he wanted to be challenged. And so I said, well, you're going to have to convince your mom because it's going to be tough. And he convinced her and she said, well, looks like you're going to follow in your brother's footsteps. Yeah. And he said, I'm going to follow in their footsteps but I'm going to make my own footprints. Yeah. And this is a 17 year old kid. It was very profound. Yeah. I was just thinking here, talking to you, some of the funny stories. I, when I talk to them about their deployments and thing, I always say, tell me a funny story, you know, or training or whatever. The hard, tough stories are very personal. And I don't feel it's my place to ask them those questions. If they want to talk to me about that, they'll bring it up. And I'm all ears and I'll listen and give any advice, but they are really their stories, their personal stories. And so I don't intercede myself into that. But, you know, talking about medics, Kurt, my middle son, tells me about, you know, all the stuff they have to do to each other to learn, you know, giving each other IVs, taking blood, sticking tubes up their nose to intubate, down their throat, all that stuff. You know, they laugh. It was tough. I mean, it's and painful. All of the time. Yeah. And, and so. And then he gets into a position where he's training medics below him at one point, watching them go through it and laughing all the way. So, uh, it, you know, they've had a lot of fun uh, in their service also. And and yeah. that's something for people to understand, too. It's not just total warfare. I mean, you make good friends. You have fun. I mean, they, they have Fort Benning. They're playing soccer. They're playing baseball with their buddies. It's kind of a nation within a nation. Yeah, you know, or, or an island within a, in a nation. Um, but the friendships that they develop are, of course, much higher than anything they developed in high school because you're, you're with a group of, of people, men and women, 24-7 in, in some very tough situations, which obviously uh, you were. You developed from your injury, you had a traumatic brain injury and some PTS and some spinal, all three things that create big hurdles for you to move forward. And you don't get over these things, you know, yeah. overnight. And so you had 
about a year going back and forth to Landstuhl, uh, to Vincenza. And that kind of gave you some time to decompress and think about your future. And, you know, look at you now. I mean, it's just incredible. But you made a decision to go into this field and you told me a story about your training in these zebra fish, I guess. Yeah. Tell, tell us that story because I, I think it's one of the neatest stories that we've heard. Yeah. So, you know, I did a lot of my undergrad and my, my PhD work with a preclinical model or animal model called zebrafish. They're, you know, these little like inch and a half, two inch fish, you can buy them at Walmart, Myers, uh, you know, King Supers, depending on where you're at. But what's really unique about them is that they're just super regenerative. From the moment they're born to the very end of their life, they can grow parts of their eyes, their heart, their brain, almost everything to regrow. You can, you can basically cut out portion of the brain and leave them alone and they'll, they'll regrow it. Wow. And so what's kind of unique about it is, you know, most traumatic brain injury research is done in rodents. They're done in mice and rats, you know, they're great models, but one, they're expensive. They're very expensive. <laughs> uh, a normal rodent, a single one might cost about $20. A zebra fish costs about five cents, but more importantly in a rodent, they don't have the ability to regenerate. So you can only injure the animal and then look at how the injury progresses. The effects, yeah. Yeah. Whereas in zebrafish, I can injure them and I get an injury response and an injury progression. So they have seizures and brain bleeds and memory issues, PTSD, anxiety, things like that. But a couple of days later, they have adult stem cells that start to proliferate and regenerate. And after, you know, depending on the, the severity of the injury, they, they start to regenerate and come back to normal in about you know, a week and a half to a month, depending on the severity of the injury. And so the model allowed us to look at both how injury occurs and the inflammation response and things that are happening immediately following injury, which is super important in the ability to sustain life in humans immediately following injury, but as well as better understanding of how are these animals healing themselves innately, just all on their own. And at the end of the day, we share a lot of very similar brain structure and DNA and proteins. So if we can start to figure it out, ideally we could start to pre-program ourselves, especially for, you know, individuals like service members or athletes to start to dampen the blow, you know, no pun intended, but, you know, to, to really dampen the effect of, of the type of injury that these individuals, unfortunately, are the most likely to sustain. Yeah, I mean, just sitting here talking to you, it's it's amazing how many people you've helped, you know, other veterans, et cetera, and the potential for this kind of research to help millions. Your thumbprint is going to be on that. Eventually, you guys will, will figure out the code on this thing. So I, I know it's, it's it, you know, for me, the person I am, I have a hard time sitting down and, and doing that kind of research. But we need people like you that, that are committed and have the patience uh, to, to uh, complete that kind of uh, research. You know, it's been an honor and a privilege to be able to do it, though. Yeah. Um, you know, going back to a lot of my, my buddies that, you know, unfortunately were, were injured as well. You know, I, I've been fortunate that during the transition period, you know, I, I've learned to at least manage my PTSD to... Mm -hmm find coping skills that help with my memory issues, my learning deficits. I experienced post-traumatic seizures and, and I started to get a better handle on, you know, what, what impacts those. And so, 
unfortunately, a lot of service members don't. They they haven't had that opportunity, or their injuries are are so severe. It's, it's a real privilege to be able to go through the journey that I've had to be able to you know get back to my community and, and continue that that service. You've written several studies and documents, and uh, I think you told me maybe eight uh, mm-hmm. uh, documents on this subject, uh, manuscripts to the National Institute of Health. And to me, I mean, we're, we're talking to you about where you've been or what you've done so far, but in reality, you've done more than a lot of people ever do in their whole lives, you know, and yeah. you're still going. So mm-hmm. it's, it's incredible to think of, you know, if we call you five or 10 years and say, how you doing, Jamie, what's up, you know, and it'll be a whole new story of, of success. And uh, I think that's, that's what our investors like to see. We call our donors investors because there is a measurable return on their investment. And that measurable return is seeing you succeed. And that's all we ask is work hard, move on to the objective and goals. And uh, you've certainly done that. And helping other veterans. In the, in the meantime, that's a beautiful thing about you, Sentinels, is that you reach back. You help people in your community. I think 85% of our Sentinels are doing some sort of volunteer work. You know, going back to the donor portion, you know, I am, I am situated here in, in Colorado now. You know, a large part of the reason that I was able to make this period was actually because of you guys. I was fortunate that, you know, grad school, uh, at least when you get a PhD in, in one of the hard sciences, typically you, you receive a stipend and not to sound grateful for that stipend, but it's, it's typically not enough to live on. And, you know, you guys really came in and, and provided a lot of, ability to breathe, um, a lot of ability to focus in on my studies, to feel comfortable to do what I'm doing. And ultimately, you know, give me the opportunity to, to take this role that I'm doing right now. Well, that's, that's the proof in the pudding is that, you know, when we met you early on, that you're, you guys have to write us a letter, you know, you better give us some recommendations from other people and write us a letter as why we should invest in you. And we felt at that time you were a good investment. You certainly proved that true. I want to talk more to you uh, as the years go on. Thank you for your service to our nation and your ongoing advocation for our military and our veterans. We are extremely proud of your accomplishments. Can't wait to see the future accomplishments, even though, again, you've done more than most people do in their lives. So thank you. Thank you, Jamie. It's, it's been a real honor and privilege to talk to you today. Well, thank you. We hope uh, you enjoyed today's podcast and we'll return next week to hear more of our series, Veterans Never Stop Serving. Please share our podcast with your network and friends. Thank you for your support of Sentinels Freedom and the veterans we serve. Your support helps our nation meet its responsibility to these veterans who have served in our military sacrificed much by doing so. They have certainly earned a place at our nation's table of opportunity and abundance. I hope to see you next week. Until then, This is Mike Conklin and Jamie Hintick signing off.